Into every generation, there is a chosen one. Uh, excuse me, two. One girl in all the world. Two, two girls? Who is this guy? She alone will wield the strength and skill. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's walk this back. To stand against the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. Wait, I thought we were just going to talk. To stop the spread of their evil and the swell of their numbers. Is all podcasting this intense? She is. This might have been a... Big Miss Stake. Stake. S-T-A-K-E. Like what you kill a vampire with. A Buffy podcast. y'all it's us from big mistake you know the podcast that you're listening to look don't be mad but these few episodes sound a little rough like xander's wardrobe rough we know but don't worry starting in episode four we have real microphones and the sound quality gets better like cordelia's wardrobe better so thanks for sticking with us and happy listening okay we are recording we're live we're live. Oh my god, it's happening. This is really happening. This is Big Mistake. It's a Buffy podcast. And we're your host. I'm mo- hosts. Two hosts. Two hosts in all the world. <laughs> oh my god, we're finally doing it after so many years of discussion. Yes. So I'm Melissa, and you are? I'm a DT. Hi. I don't know why I waved. That was weird. I think Zoom has really trained my brain to assume that... This is how we communicate. I heard it. I heard you wave. I'm Thank sure you. our fans hear it. <laughs> Thanks, fans. Thanks, fans. Stamps.com <laughs> heard you wave. We're about to get a sponsorship. Oh my god, okay. We're live. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. The The premise of this podcast is we are two friends, and we've known each other for over a decade now, right? Because we met in college. Yep. Yes. Yes. And I watched Buffy many, many times. I watched it as it was coming out as a youth. This first episode came out when I was nine, and I watched it since day one for seven years, and Aditi has never seen it. No. So yeah, to corroborate everything Melissa has said, we are dear old friends, and we share a lot of interests, both high and lowbrow, but Buffy is a big... <laughs> They're all highbrow. excuse me they're all highbrow but Buffy is a big blind spot in my pop culture uh accumulation and also all of my lady friends seem to really love Buffy it's a big part of their feminist awakening and it's just something I never got around to and so when I was doing research for this first episode I learned that there is such a thing as Buffy studies where these courses are offered in like legit certified universities and people have written dissertations on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and yet they won't let me do the same thing for Vanderpump Rules. Interesting. (laughs) This reminds me of when Duolingo had Klingon as a language to learn before they had Hindi and I thought that feels right. (laughs) That feels right. (laughs) So here we are potting after so many years of discussing and thinking that we're both individually and communally funny. Yes, people often describe me as communally funny. (laughs) So, I guess what makes us qualified to do this podcast? Aditi, could you talk about your experience with vampires, demons, and the forces of darkness, please? 
Yes. So um, I have to say that this is a very new experience for me because I have had a rich and fulfilling experience with vampires, but from a positive light. So learning about the negative aspects has been a challenge. Um, I talk more about pro vampire, pro vampire view views. Yes, um, I am a devoted scholar of the Vampire Diaries, uh-huh. and I also was a intermittent Twilight. Um, I was very invested in the first book. The second book, she was very sad. The third book, it was kind of weird. I didn't read the fourth one, but um, I really did enjoy the stories. And of course, Vampire Diaries, I watched every episode of the 48 seasons they had on CW just kept coming and I kept just lapping it up. So you're and, in real life. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, it, the diaries became my diaries. <laughs> so I'm very familiar with vampire lore from a positive and nuanced perspective. It has been difficult to see vampires so uh, demonized uh, <laughs> in the show. You loved it. How do you <laughs> feel about watching vampires that people don't want to fuck? It's very difficult because my experience with <laughs> vampires is like physical perfection. And for example, um, you know, Edward Cullen is like a perfect specimen of the undead. And um, the vampire diaries, all of the male vampires and female vampires are incredibly good looking. They subsist on whiskey and repartee and they all have leather jackets. So this has been difficult to see them as uggos. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry for your loss. I know this must have been very difficult for you. But thank you for sticking through these first two episodes. Thank you. Thank you. And on my end, uh, my experience with vampires, demons, and the forces of darkness, I watched Buffy since I was a child. Anne Rice went to my high school for one year, did not graduate wow. from it, but we have walked the same halls. And... Uh, <laughs> I've watched a lot of ghost adventures, which I feel falls under the Forces of Darkness general umbrella that they throw in there just to catch all the odds and ends. Um, so clearly we're pretty qualified to analyze Buffy from a <laughs> from a vampire demon and force of darkness standpoint. Yes. Yes. So I guess we should just get to it. So we watched the first two episodes of Buffy the yeah. Vampire Slayer. And they debuted in 1997, a different time. And I'm glad that we watched the first two episodes because it was a two-part series opener and they showed them back-to-back on the same night. So we're recreating that very special experience of 23 years ago. That hits, man. 23 years. Wow. Yeah. So uh, in, in this first episode, season one, episode one, Welcome to the Hellmouth, uh, the recap that Netflix has, or Hulu has, sorry, is Buffy Summers, a high high school sophomore, transfers to Sunnydale High. There, she meets her new watcher, in quotes, and learns she cannot escape her true destiny. All right, so what were your first, uh, what were your first impressions? Well, let me tell you, well, to be honest with the fans, I initially thought I would just watch one episode, but then when I finished it, I immediately texted Melissa and I said, I think for the integrity of the pod, we should do the two episodes. So I think (laughs) think you texted me in all capital letters too. Yes, I had to know. Um, Well, 
let me tell you, um, at the beginning, I was like, oh, look at these teens, you know, just living their teen lives. It had a very Roswell feel at the beginning with like the empty classrooms and like kind of the ominous teen environment. And also and, the teens being like 30 years old. Yeah, we will. We will address that. Okay. Do children just look younger now? Like, I know that the Zoomers are single handedly like taking down fascism, but they look like babies, whereas these teens in the show look like they are 33 and may have a mortgage. Well, I think something that contributes to that, and we can talk about this more in our fashion segment, Slay mm. Renee. Mm. But, like, Sunnydale is a very business casual town. Everyone is wearing, like, a button down. Everyone's yeah. shirt has a collar on it. Is that, yeah. is that the 90s? Did we know that? No, I feel like the 90s was exclusively what Buffy was wearing in the first episode, which were, I mean, should we, should we do Slay or Nay? Yeah, let's just, let's just Slay or Nay. Slay or Nay. Well, let me begin by saying that everything that Buffy wears, I would have loved to wear and my mother would have said no. So. Really? Even the outfit that she wears to the bronze? Where she's that bronze like is a, the most hideous outfit. Everything else, like the short skirts and the tasteful amount of belly showing yes. and the long the high boots and the clips, like I would have, I would have just died to wear. And my mother would have said, "What are you doing? Go change that three quarters cardigan." I absolutely owned. You did? Yes. Oh my god, I love that entire outfit. And, and that I would wear it now. I would wear it now. I would too. I would wear it now if I had anywhere to go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I also thought it was funny. Uh, She had like a white shirt with a blue cardigan over it and a brown skirt and it looked so cute. And then she went to the bronze and it was just like all of those items of clothing grew up, but like under really not ideal circumstances. So they became strange and still scented adults. So, like, the blue cardigan became, like, this Ooh, weird, yeah. baggy, uh, blue button-down overshirt, and the brown skirt became cropped brown slacks for some reason, and I don't understand uh, what the dress code is in the school, because I would have been sent home. I would have worn the adult version to school, and then the thought version to the bronze, but yes. wh- whom st- am I to understand In high school, I do remember wearing an ensemble that was a green long sleeve shirt and a pair of capris that were the exact color of my skin. So (laughs) I did look like a tree. Uh, So I'm not really one to speak of fashion for you, considering I had none. So I loved everything that Buffy was wearing. Cordelia to me was very interesting because... To, to to corroborate what you were saying, during the daytime in school, she looked like she was a, you know, administrative assistant. But then at the bronze, she hooched it up and she looked great. Oh, I she loved- did. Yeah. Okay, here's what I have to say about Cordelia's outfit. I have written in my notes in all capital letters, Cordelia's outfit is a sleigh all damn day. And then earlier in the episode when she shows up, there are so many sheer overshirts with wide collars. Someone help them. <laughs> I actually love Cordelia's striped sheer top, and I'm normally very into a colorful pant, but something about these are so off-putting because they were like uh, a pea green velour situation. Yes. That 
but they were somehow highly structured. I don't know. They just defined they they defied all laws of color and structure, and I was very baffled by them. But the top is great. I mean, very pre Y two K. Um, yes, I enjoyed that. Um, my poor, sweet, innocent lass. You know who I'm referring to. What's her name? <laughs> so, for the listeners out there, I tried to save most of my takes, both hot and cold, for the pod. But I did text Melissa I would die for summer because I got Willow's name wrong because I knew it was a hippie white girl name. And in my defense, I'm right. But I would die for Willow. Um, and But Willow, like, they they really leaned in hard with the clear delineation that she is a nerd with her terrible outfits. Yes. Like, the poor girl. Really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was rough. Um, I'm getting the two episodes melded in my brain, so I apologize. But the shirt that Xander wears, which is, like, green mushrooms, is just an affront upon society much like his very existence and i'm not a fan um i have yes xander's mushroom shirt it is neon green someone send help (laughs) yeah um you know i think that buffy like it's the early 90s i do think before we progress it's not it's the late 90s it's 97 That's true. What is time? What is I time? do think that I am employing a very particular lens that is is not particularly kind to television because things change. But uh, the the scene where Buffy is like, I look like a whore or I look like a Jehovah's Witness, um, you know, it's different in 2020. Mm-hmm. So that's always fun. Um, I just really loved, I loved everything that they were wearing except for everything that my poor girl Willow slash half of what Cordelia wore. I just want to point out that in the in the scene where she goes to the bronze and she sees Giles there, mm. um, he is trying to get her to sense a vampire. And mm. she discovers one by saying... His like, ensemble! His ensemble is so dated. And, like, honestly, I could not tell the difference between that guy's clothes and anyone else's clothes. You know why? I think I could, I, I, maybe she could sense it because the vampire that she spotted had a very mid-90s ska element. And this show is decidedly late 90s. Yeah, that was two years ago. In 1995, solidly mid. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So it was also like, what a burn. What a <laughs> right? cool burn. Yeah. We should get to the burns of the show because much like my other beloved vampire show, Vampire Diaries, there's like one writer who is too good for the show and oh, like yeah. has like these really great singers and they kind of distribute them between Cordelia and Buffy pretty well. When I was a child, I just assumed that I would have such excellent repartee at 15 or 16, but instead I was just consumed with hormones. So it was just crying. Um, I think it's interesting you brought up the zingers because I have that Buffy sort of doesn't speak very well unless she's taunting a vampire because she has so many instances in the show where she is like, oh, but I was fighting vampire. I mean, I wasn't fighting vampires at all. Oh, God. Close one, Buffy. 
It's a little heavy handed. True. She's very good at repartee with the undead. Mm -hmm. And Cordelia is just, she's very funny. Like it's very complicated because she's clearly very mean, but she's also, she has big Stassi energy. She's very mean and she's very funny. Okay. Do you want to do first impressions? Yes. Let's do first impressions. I'm sorry to the fans. We're just bopping around. Look, this is episode one. This is our pilot. We'll fall into (laughs) our roles. This is our pilot, and probably it will get better. Let's do it. It gets better. Okay, so first impression of Buffy. Very capable, very cute, stylish. Don't mess with her. I would have very much emulated her energy if I were younger and watching the show. And so for my my contribution to this area of the pod is I'm going to try and recreate what my impressions were when watching this as a nine-year-old child. Aww. So I thought Buffy was so cool and so witty and so pretty, and I thought her clothes were so cool, and I thought she was just a badass. But I had trouble relating to her personally because all of these things that she would have that's kind of like her main issue in these first two episodes, besides the undead, is Mm -hmm. that she could be so good at all of the aspects of high school that people want you to be good at. Like, she could have had a boyfriend, she could have made all A's, she could have done all this, if she wasn't so distracted by this pesky hellmouth problem. And mm. I was never good at any of those things, so I found her to be unrelatable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Uh, what about your girl Summer? Just love. You're gonna. I am going to keep calling her Summer I know. because it's just, <laughs> it's very difficult for me to make the difference. Like they're both two syllables, um, and very little else is in common. I love Willow. I hear that we may have some tension on this. I think that she is a good friend and i do think that the scene where they're in computer classes and she tells cordelia to delete shows that she has a little bit of spine Mm -hmm. and shows that she will come into her own i don't i think that if they didn't have that scene it would make her be very milk toast but she does have very like she's very intelligent she's a good friend and i do feel like she'll have this meteoric rise i yeah i love willow willow is the character I related to the most because I really identified with wanting to do good and being kind of a nerd. But you're right, she does have like a a rebellious streak in her because she has no problem immediately hacking into the city database. That's true. She zoomed and enhanced. She did. She zoomed, she enhanced, she she delivered. She really did. Yeah, like her a lot. Really like her a lot. I, she was always my favorite character. She was the one that I really... Um, oh, I thought we were have tension on this for some reason. Oh, because I sent you a message saying, what if I hate her to try and create mystery around the pod? Ah, uh, trying to I'm sorry for the, the mind game. Are you a Bravo producer? This one we really will have uh, a fight about. What do you think about Xander? I want to reiterate that I am employing a 2020 lens. So I realize that some of the criticisms are not fair because they're not of the time. But I think that Xander sucks. I think he sucks. I think he's so <laughs> stupid. I think he's whiny. I think he's annoying. I don't understand what is redeemable about him. I don't get it yet. I love Xander. 
or I did <laughs> when I was a nine-year-old child because I thought <laughs> his floppy hair was so cute. And I think that he is trying to occupy the same sort of lane as as like a Brody from Mallrats, Jason Lee's character, where he's like a slacker, but mm. and he has no skills, but he's like funny and goofy and charming enough that you don't really care. Or like a Gen X Ferris Bueller type. But like, I mean, obviously he doesn't pull it off well because he's not very popular. And uh <laughs> And he comes in on his skateboard, which I don't think he ever has again for the rest of the series. So I don't know what that was about. But yeah, I um, I related to Willow. I saw myself in her. And I had a, cu- a huge crush on Xander because Ugh. I just, I really, I think, related to a storyline of being kind of somebody who doesn't really know how to handle themselves and being super obsessed with this guy who doesn't like you back and like, yeah i think xander was like funny and goofy and he had floppy hair so it's just like yes him that's my team and then I stuck with it because that was my team and and i and again i am employing an adult lens and also all of the terminology that i'm using is unfair because it was created after the show but he has very like nice guy energy like pernicious nice guy yeah Yeah. so that's when i was like "Mm." yeah Uh, going back and doing a rewatch as an adult that was the thing that hurt the most because even in this first episode he's saying things like oh my gosh now buffy's gonna go save my friend i'm not even a man i'm less than a man like yeah (laughs) (laughs) sir you wore a lime green mushroom shirt that i erroneously thought were ufos which i thought was cool and then you were downgraded <laughs> you know what the truth is out there and it's not great <laughs> yeah so uh apologies to all my xander heads but i yeah, remain me, you're one xander head <laughs> <laughs> yeah not okay i i i remain disinterested but out of the graciousness of my own heart will maybe not be completely turned off. Let's see. <laughs> okay. So then we go to Cordelia. Oh, she's so complicated because like <laughs> I'm scared of her. And I also think she's funny. And I also think she sucks. And I also feel like I just, she's a lot, like she's a very complex mean girl. And I think she's one of the rare mean girls well, that, you know what? No, I don't know yet because the common operating mythology around mean girls is that they're just insecure. But I, I don't know if that's true with her. Maybe she's just mean. I can't tell, but she's also funny. Mm-hmm. And so she's like a complicated person. Um, I, I would be scared of her and also think she's funny. So, yeah, I think she's, when, when I was a kid, I absolutely hated her because I was like, girls are mean. And I think her meanness was like particularly hurtful to me at that time. <laughs> I'm getting to, uh, I'm getting real lens into who you were as a nine-year-old. Yeah, like I'm really not making kid me sound great. <laughs> no, you're making kid you sound like a kid who saw the world in black and white. That's right. normal. Yeah. So I was like, she's not my team. So I did not really like her. But I will say, watching the show back, I have a new appreciation for Queen Cordelia Chase. So Cordelia is also interesting because Sarah Michelle Gellar, who plays Buffy, originally auditioned for the role of Cordelia. And I think, 
she would have been a really great Cordelia, but the network was like, no, she's a rising star, and then they made her be Buffy, and Joss Whedon had originally wanted to have a black actress play Buffy, which is interesting because there's pretty much no other people of color yeah, in I the show. The first, I think that the first black character is the doorman at the bronze in the second episode. Yes, I have that noted. Oh, look at us. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> but yeah, there's um, the show. We'll, we'll get to some episodes later where they don't really handle race stuff with as much grace as I would have liked them to. So I I do wonder what it would have been like if they were able to cast a black actress in the lead role, but apparently the network was very against it. It was 97. It was 97. So way to go, WB. Well, hmm. 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 let's segue from let's that. Let's segue from that. <laughs> oh, and also, so the, the actress who played Cordelia, Charisma Carpenter is her name. And Mm -hmm. she auditioned to play Buffy, but they switched them. Oh, interesting. My exposure to her is as the hot uh, stepmom in season two of Veronica Mars. I forgot she was in Veronica Mars. Yeah. And she was 27 at this time, playing a 16-year-old. You could tell. Yeah. You could tell. Not all of us are uh, Kiko Agenis, let me tell you. (laughs) No, very few of us are. I had no idea she was that old. Yeah, she was closer to Lauren Graham's age than, I think, uh, Rory Gilmore's age. Wow. So, I do wonder if you have any predictions for these four as we move throughout the series. Yes, okay. Um, Buffy is just going to become more and more awesome. Um, I feel that. Uh, I'm sure that I, I have... You know, the show has been on and it's also been a big part of so many people's cultural, like, references that I do know that there is a sapphic element to Willow, and that's great. Um, And I think that she comes more into her own as well. I'm hoping Xander sucks less, because quite frankly, sir, (laughs) you owe me. Um, And I think that Charisma will probably, I think that they'll all be more humanized. I think, obviously, at the beginning, they're, like, very archetypal, archetypal, wow, that word. Um, and they have to, like, kind of play those, like, norms. And mm-hmm. so I think that as the show continues, they become more nuanced. All right. And then one other, well, okay. There's two other people that I would like to get your first impressions and predictions mm. on. Thank you. The first one is Principal Flutie. Ugh! Uh, he's just, like, every public administrator that, like, thinks that he is, like, Michelle Pfeiffer telling children that rap is poetry with music, but it's just useless. I actually love Principal Flutie. I think he is uh, an endearing character because I think he struggles so much with his role as a public school official, and it's very clear he is insecure, and I like that. Yeah. I like the portrayal of an insecure person in charge. <laughs> yeah, and I think that the incompetence is played up rather than like the arbitrary cruelty that can often accompany administrators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Burn notice administrators. What do you think will happen with him? Um, I feel like he will be played for laughs, and I feel like he will be a funny kind of um like barrier that that Buffy and the gang have to go through to kill vampires. 
All right. That's fair. All right. And then Angel. <laughs> well. Here's where we're going to fight again. I bought in hard. Oh. I am. I'm here for Angel. I hate she, him so much. I hate you. I hate what? you. Damn. I don't even want to look at you right now. This is. Okay, first I'm gonna first I will address my feelings about Angel and then I'll get to you. Um, I think he is very attractive. He seems complicated, which uh, I love, and I also feel like I could fix him. In what way does he seem complicated? Please expand on that. Well, he's clearly got some sort like he's skulking around, like <laughs> watching. He also gave her the cross, like he gave her jewelry. Um He's also, like, at the back of the bronze, like, because he lets her do her own thing, but he is there if she needs him. It's very, you know, it's it's great that he lets her shine, but doesn't, like, try and take over. He also has a great face, got a great face situations. Um, I am also a fan of the show Bones. Our fandom is called Boners. So I'm a boner. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I think that David Boreans does a great job. And he also is very young in the show. And I forgot that he was so young. Yeah, he's great. I think he's very handsome. And I, I guess I'm ready to hear your opinions. Okay. First of all, Angel sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry to be, what was the fandom? A boner? I'm sorry to be a boner killer. But... <laughs> I feel like he has big, um, what's the name of Jason Manzukis's character in Big Mouth? Is it Jay? That it's guy. Jay something. That guy. We'll get there. We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Hang on. I'm gonna look it up. Uh, Jason Manzukis Big Mouth. The typing really adds a feeling of verity to it. Yeah, this is, uh, it's a real gonzo podcast. <laughs> we're we're here. We're doing it. We're doing it live and fixing it in post. <laughs> Jay Bilzerian. I knew it was a J. All right. You know how Jay Bilzerian has those like wild and crazy older brothers, so he just says some shit that's crazy sometimes. Uh, sure, but I don't know how this relates to Angel because Angel says crazy shit. Like, but it's all in service to help her. Uh, it's just very weird. Like, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I want what you want. To kill him. To kill them all. It's very weird. I don't like it. I don't understand why his jacket is so shiny, why his lapels are so large. He's on his way to, like, a an undead board meeting, and he's just... The only personality he really has is to just say some wild shit apropos of nothing. Like, I want to kill them all. Just like you want to kill them all. I'm not she's your friend. Or am I? She's a slayer. Like, her 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 dating options have to also accommodate her slayer lifestyle. So he understands that. Does he? I think you're um, you're taking a lot from these first brief alley interactions where he just threatens violence and bounces. Ah, uh, he gave her her necklace. That's true. He did give her her necklace, which was very nice, but also very weird. I mean, I think that when you are a young slayer trying to, to slay vampires and trigonometry, life is hard. Okay, so here's what I have in my notes. 
Honestly, I thought Angel was really boring and lacking in personality, like a real Ryan Atwood type character. Um, <laughs> and I know you did not watch the OC, but Ryan Atwood's claim to fame is he's a dude from the wrong side of town and he is he broods a lot and then he punches a lot and then that's it. And okay. I feel like Angel fills that same space and I feel like that's boring. A black leather jacket is not a personality sir <laughs> is what I have. <laughs> All right. This is this is this is interesting. So 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 for those at home I am anti Xander team angel. Yes, and I am in retrospect not as pro Xander as I was in my youth, but in my youth I was very pro Xander and anti angel. My anti angel sentiment remains. All right. I guess. And I do have some some notes written about David Boreanaz as angel. Um apparently he was cast uh because the casting director was having so much trouble finding the perfect guy for this role, probably because his dialogue is wild <laughs> and off-putting. And apparently a friend of the casting director saw David Boreanaz walking his dog and called the casting director and was like, you got to get this guy. He's just skulking along with a dog in real life. we got to film him. And David Boreanaz was a huge troll on set, and he liked to try to get people to break character. And one of the ways he used to do that was to pull his pants down on set. And all of the interviews I can find talk about it as though it was a joke and everybody really enjoyed it. So I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how to take that news in the present day. Um, I think there is a way. Yeah. But I, I feel validated in reading that little piece of trivia. And finally, my favorite piece of Angel trivia, uh, David Boreanaz and Sarah Michelle Gellar used to try and fuck with each other before they had makeout scenes by eating the grossest, stinkiest food oh. they could possibly eat beforehand to try and get the other one to break character, which I find to be very funny. That is funny. And it speaks to how great of a character Angel is because he still committed to his smoldering look. Sure. All right. I this is this, look. I made a home here in this in this team. I made a, I made a life here. I bought a house here. So this is where I live. Yeah, you're you're in Angel City, baby. And now a word from our sponsor. Anyone who knows us knows that we love the bus. But sometimes walking from your stop to your destination can be a nightmare. Whether you encounter a vampire, a vengeance demon, a witch with a passion for cheerleading, a pack of teens possessed by the hungry spirits of hyenas, a man of bugs, a man who is a bug, or an amphibious humanoid that recently burst forth from the now-empty husk of a high school swimmer, it can be hard to get from point A to point B unscathed. That's why we recommend stakes. Just force the pointy end into your assailant with enough force to penetrate whatever bodily organs they may have, and you'll be on your merry way. Well done, stakes. To get a stake of your very own, go to reallytinyfence.com slash bigmissstake and enter code CHILDHOODTRAUMA for 10% off your order. Stakes. Everyone has them in LA. <laughs> All right. 
Let's talk plot. Let's talk plot. Okay. So, I think that it was a very well. I'm gonna. I'm just going to refer to the episodes as a like as one story. I think. Um, I thought it was a really good pilot. I thought that they like clearly wrapped up a storyline in like this two episodes, but also created um, like enough mythology for the show to continue. And I think they're they like they teased enough stuff for it to be like interesting, and it was funny, and there were fight scenes to varying degrees of quality, and um, the bronze is amazing, and I okay. wish I could have gone to the bronze. The bronze is something that a young me would have also loved to go to, and I would not have been allowed to. Yes, yeah, definitely. I think I agree with you. I think watching this back, I am very impressed with this pilot because it gives you a lot of information about all of the characters. I feel like I have a solid idea of who everybody is. And having watched the show till the very end, seeing the genesis of their characters, it still feels appropriate to how they end up. I think there are like snippets of their future selves in here, which I think is very good. I think it sets up a lot of stuff that will come into play later in the season very deftly. Mm. And I really appreciated <laughs> in the beginning, uh, the very first scene we start with Luke and Darla breaking into yes. Sunnydale High. Yes. And Luke is like, bad boy. And Darla's like, oh no, but surprise. Yes. Surprise. Those were my notes exactly. At first I was like, look at this bad well, it reminded me a lot of um, in Community when they were telling scary stories and they just had the archetypes. Yes. Uh, um, Britta and Jeff in the car. It just reminded me of that because, like, clearly he's a bad boy with one thing on his mind and she is a good girl. But then, twist! She's the bad guy! Twist! Yes, the women are tough in this show, not the boys. We did Really, really sets the scene. We did it. We did it. We solved it, and everything has been good since 97. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I have, I count, three callers between the two of them. So many callers. So then we go to Buffy, who's having a crazy dream about some demonic shit. Yeah. Yeah, I like that they just sprinkled in a random Hindu god. Okay, that's fine. Um, But yeah, there were some, like, premonitions, and there were some like, ominous things, and I really liked that it just felt very mysterious. I enjoyed it. It did, and I think it really set the stage for what is to come. Okay, good to know, good to know. Yeah, and then it's time for school. We uh-huh. see Xander on a skateboard for some reason. He's <laughs> mesmerized by Buffy's ass and skates into a pole. Very I did easily. enjoy that. I did enjoy that. I thought that it was very apropos typical um also yeah we meet buffy's mom she's very nice i guess like you know tries to have a help have a slayer daughter i have a lot of notes about her hair in that it seemingly defies gravity and i'm really into Mm -hmm. it yes i also want to make a comment that uh in one of the scenes i think it is in the last scenes of the first episode when Buffy has her hair pulled up, it's the, it looks like the primogenitor to the Karen haircut. Yes, it really and, does. Yeah. And it's amazing how these people are trying to play teens as adults and yet also have the style of certain adults, like the hair. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think a lot of these people just kept the same hair until they were adults. Okay, so they're in school. We meet Jesse. Jesse, the actor, he was in the OC as Teresa's fiancé, Eddie, for a couple of episodes. Also, I have written that Jesse's excessively gelled hair is a war crime. <laughs> he, yeah, he doesn't serve much, but bless him. Um, yeah, I have in my notes, so in this part of the show, we are meeting, um, we've met Xander, we've met Willow. Um, I did have a hearty chuckle when they were going over the black plate because I felt, wow, time is a flat circle. That was hard. Would you say we're in a black plague right now? We we are we we are in the darkest timeline, which is why we're doing this podcast to distract us from the unrelenting sense of doom. Yeah, our podcast is what the world needs right now to heal. To heal, yes, yes. We're, we're soldiers. Yes, it's very it's both topical and necessary. Yeah, you're welcome, America. <laughs> this is the um, genesis of our first hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, please don't give us hate mail. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> I'm very delicate. <laughs> so I am at the part of the show where she goes to the library and we meet the character we haven't spoken about yet, which is... Rupert Giles. Yes. Yes. Um, the library is dope. The library is very nice. And I want to know what is Sunnydale's tax base because that library looks very well funded. I, I don't know. It really gave me a lot of, like, 10 Things I Hate About You vibes where their school is also very palatial and just, like, far nicer than any building I was ever in as a you know, teen that's a, real, teen. that's a real public school. Maybe Sunnydale is real, too. It's not. It's not real. <laughs> it was a set. But <laughs> but still, like, that school was amazing and the library was amazing. Yeah, it's dope. Um, Giles, my first thoughts on Giles um sir again i am employing a lens that is unfair but very comfortable getting very chummy with a young girl again would have raised flags in for my mother um (laughs) just she'll be she's a character in her own right in the show um yeah he he clearly he clearly has not uh discovered that maybe some boundaries are needed for public school longevity of career. Maybe the British Museum has different rules. Maybe HR is different in Britain. The British Museum is a very uh, touch-forward place. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, How else do they steal all those things? Yeah. Um, Yes. (laughs) Touch first, ask later. (laughs) British Museum. (laughs) This is the genesis of our second hate mail. Anyway... (laughs) I, I think, um, yes, it's a little bit weird. Although I, I didn't really pick up on those vibes the, like when I watched it because his relationship to Buffy is is different than his relationship to other students. Not to say that I totally no, see what you're I, saying. Again, right? I'm being really unfair because it's a different, yeah. I, I just was like, oh, sir. Because when he was like talking to her at the bronze, I was like, sir, that is a, that is a very... Close lean, very lean forward. That um, was his audition scene. <laughs> really? Yes. His audition scene was the scene at the bronze where he was trying to get Buffy to sense the vampires. And the reason he was trying to get her to sense them was because apparently in the movie, which I saw once several years ago and don't really remember, but I remember not caring for it. 
I also have seen the movie. Well, apparently in the movie, when a vampire would be around, she would get menstrual cramps as a result. Which I'm not oh, sure how I feel about that. So I'm glad they dropped it for the show. That feels unnecessarily punishing. Yeah. But yeah, I um I think that Giles I think that the reason they they have him do that, not supporting it, because I totally see what you're saying and that it comes off creepy, is that she's the slayer and he's her watcher, and so they do have some sort of relationship that is different than student and teacher from the outset, and he doesn't treat any of the other students that way. No, and I I absolutely respect that. Just, uh, you know, just speaking, speaking from first, from first uh, interactions. But yeah, I can tell that he is going to be a font of wisdom and uh, be the unofficial dad to our ragtag team. And I enjoy that. Yeah, I thought that they uh, they did a really good job setting up the team dynamic in this first episode. Yeah. Wow. Um, I want you to know that my first note on Angel is, is that Angel? I was an avid Bones watcher. He is looking around 33. Okay, he is so good looking. That open collar. Wolf whistle. <laughs> so you love the collars. <laughs> you know, it's very person specific. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, yeah, so now, uh, so they go to school, and then she goes to the library, and he's like, you're a slayer. She's like, I just want to be a normal girl. And then she goes to the bronze, as invited by Cordelia. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's when we have the scene with, uh, Giles and the, can you tell it's a vampire? And that is when our poor, sweet, on hell, Willow is led astray by the vampire with the bad outfit from the mid-90s. And, um... I just want to say one thing about that, which is, he tries to lead her astray. Like, they leave the bronze, and he's like, come on. And she goes, but the ice cream shop is that way. And I just really, really appreciate that her idea of, like, seizing the moment is to meet this guy at a club and go get ice cream with him late at night in the apparently 24-hour ice cream shop that they have. I think that's very wholesome and says a lot about our girl Summer. So continue. She's very, she's very lovely. Um, I also wrote down the amazing zinger for Cordelia when um, Buffy attacks her accidentally. And she says, God, what is your childhood trauma? I laughed at that. I think she's it's one of my favorite lines of hers, honestly. Very funny. And so, yeah, I have that. And then I have to tell you, I wrote this, um, Buffy. So they go to the um, the center of, of Hellmouth or where they can, you know, where the orc is going to ascend. And I love um, that in your notes you call them all orcs when it is clearly a vampire. Very they were very ugly, um, like <laughs> orcs. And, um, and I did write that, you're right, Buffy does quipping before kicking ass. She likes a nice chat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I took notes, and then I wrote, okay, the Armageddon, the harvest is, like, you know, Armageddon for humans. Okay, got it. And now we're at the next episode. Now we're at the next episode. So they're still fighting, and then they leave the, the, the crypt or what have you, and, um, Jesse clearly is going to be turned. We can all tell he has his role to play in this. Um, and then we get the background to basically like demons and vampires and the mystic uh, demon unknowns ran the earth, but then humans took over. And so, you know, they're trying to trying to get back their turf, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. 
so they they have this discussion where they're all like, oh, so we're just agreeing that vampires are real and that you fight them. Like, we're all on board with this. Yes. Have that discussion. Yeah. And then they bring up the police and Buffy's like, all cops are bad. And then they don't do it. She was very, she was very of the times. I was very impressed very with her. Times. Yes. Yes. Look at her. Look at her. Um, yeah. I enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed that scene. I also like don't. I didn't get a lot of why the head orc vampire is bad and mean, but I guess just his nature. It's really hard for me to, like, just accept that, like, at face value, but I guess. Is it um, because as as an orc vampire, you find him to be, like, attractive? Um, how dare you? He's no angel. <laughs> He's just a demon. Um, uh. no, it's just, like, <laughs> whatever, you loved it. Um... It's just difficult because as an avid watcher of the Vampire Diaries, it's just not easy to say, like, all vampires are bad. Like, not all vampires, you know? Sure. Sure. Not all <laughs> vampires. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then now we're in the computer scene, and I... Oh, wait, yeah. I actually have the Master's uh, outfit as a sleigh. <laughs> the Master's... Oh, God. <laughs> You know, I actually thought the outfit where um, our girl Bufferina tries to skip school and your boy Flouty is like, no, she looked like a hot Italian widow in her all black and her like really cool sunglasses. And I also wish I could have worn that, but I also would not have been able to. I have written down that I love Buffy's sunglasses so much. Slay, slay, slay. She looks good. She looks good. Yeah. Um, Yes. Angel, hot, an adult. He's lonely. He's helping her. Yeah, this is working. Was that your notes? Yes, yeah. this is working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then my next is, I'm sorry, girl. I, my next note is, oh, Xander. <laughs> I actually have, okay, so here are my notes on this interaction. Ugh, Angel has come to make digs at Buffy's intelligence while dressed like he's on the way to a board meeting. It does not surprise me at all that he has no friends. Wow, this is so difficult for me to understand. You can have such poor taste. <laughs> I I don't know why it's so off putting for me. Well, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure we'll learn more. Oh yes, we're in the computer class. Uh, I loved that scene. Uh, our girl Willow standing up for Bufferina when Cordelia was just running her mouth, running her mouth. Okay, I uh-huh. should have queued this up earlier, but I do want. There, there is an extra who has like two lines in this scene, and he is like a weird, long-haired surfer kid. And he, when Willow is sticking up for our girl Bufferina, he sticks his head in, and he's like, "Whoa, who was that? What did she do?" And he's like the most perfect extra character. Look, we all got, look all getting your SAG card is an accomplishment, no matter how you get it. So he got those lines in. I have in all capitals, the surfer guy is amazing. Long hair, colored polo shirt, necklace, earring, incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, you know what? I have a note for you. Mm. Because they, when they were trying to figure out how to get down to stop the ascension, Xander was mildly helpful. I'll give him that. So I have Xander showing up as peak Xander. He has no reason to be there, except he is a boy and that is what boys do. So, <laughs> twist. I see where you're coming from with Xander, and I get it. I just, I have a soft spot it for him because of my misguided youth. Hey, we were all nine ones. 
so yeah, I have that. And then I have uh, part of Slayer Nay. Xander's wallet chain was incredible. Slay. Incredible. <laughs> honestly, honestly, yes. Um, but I mean, if then, you're going to be crawling in the sewers, that's one place you don't want to drop your wallet. That's right. That's right. How do you get it out? You, you got to have something to pull it out with. Like a chain. Yes. 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 Yeah, so next we have the Ascension is beginning. And I wrote, oh, so the lesser ones feed off of the master. This poetry is some EE coming shit. My blood is your blood, etc. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they're ascending. And then, oh, I have to say the, uh, the minions will open the harvest at the bronze. That yes. was very exciting. So now we know that the final showdown will be at the bronze. So I really enjoyed when Buffy had to get supplies from her house and Joyce was like, now all of the parenting tapes told me that I should do this. And I just find it really endearing that she's like listening to parenting tapes, trying to be a good mom with the headphones, like somehow over her voluminous hair. (laughs) Yeah. I wrote, no, Buffy mom is concerned. Buffy can't tell her mom, lol, being a teen is hard. This is so peaceful. Is this how white people fight? No one is screaming and or crying. That's true. It is a very chill fight. Also, I was really surprised her mom was like, if you feel sad that you're being punished, that's okay. And I will allow you to feel that way. Because I don't think I got that. No, no, no. That is a, no. (laughs) That was not taught in the parenting tapes here. No, no, my parents weren't listening to those dates. (laughs) Yeah, so I enjoyed that. I loved the secret compartment of her trunk. That was very cool. It was very up my alley when I was small and I wished to have secret compartments, but I had no secrets. So, you know. I actually wrote, for your benefit, Buffy hiding her vamp fighting gear in a trunk, like Lane Kim hiding a Nico album from her mom. Lane! Yes. Uh, listeners of the pod who are still with us, I was a devoted Gilmore Girls fan, so there will be some references. Yes, I loved that as well. Um, yeah, so she would, so she sneaks out, and they're all converging to the bronze, and then, oh my god, all the scary vampires are coming in slow motion. That scene was intense. It was very intense, and they, they use this, so like, the music in this first episode, or these first two episodes, is very of its time and so i did some research and the band is called sprung monkey because of course it is and yeah they do like 90 percent of the songs for these two episodes they were like sprung wow. monkey we are committing to this wow yeah i loved it i loved it it was very spooky and all of them like skipping into the bronze had a very menacing energy which mm-hmm. i appreciated um yes in my notes i have uh, they killed the bouncer and first black person on the show. So, you know, they're not, they're not winning any diversity awards now, or maybe then, who knows? Um, not. I mean, like, but Buffy does a lot of good things and a, a lot of bad things, but like, on this show, pretty much everyone is going to be white, pretty much everyone is going to be thin, and like, I mean, it's very, it's, it could have been a lot better. I'll just say. Yeah, definitely. Um, yes, it does seem to be almost painfully homogeneous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess, you know, vampires don't exist in other parts of the world, I suppose. So here we go. Even even the bad orc is white. Everybody <laughs> is white. <laughs> the bad orc. 
<laughs> Where did you get orc from? Um, because they were underground and they were ugly. So, so in your mind, <laughs> vampires cannot be ugly. Yes. Also, and <laughs> kind of ironic because uh, in uh, Tolkien's world, the orcs were the only dark-skinned characters. So you know, not great then, not great now, not great forever. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. So we are now in the bronze. And I have a note. I Jesse is skulking in the corner. Now he's being mean to her. Cordelia, she's interested. Lol. I hate this song. So this this would be about how Jesse, who has been trying unsuccessfully to flirt with Cordelia, which really is just saying kind of gross things to her and her being understandably grossed out by it. Um, he decides instead of telling her that he wants to bone, he decides to just be mean to her, and she's somehow into that. Yikes, y'all. We have a lot, we have a lot to apologize to young girls for. We do. We do. We do. We've, we've done a lot of damage as a society. Um, so that's not my favorite. Um, yes. Yeah, so I understand that the, the number one baddie, number one orc, needs the minions to feed so that he can ascend and then we see our girl wearing white to a fight. She's so brave. She is brave. Yeah. And so we have the fighting scenes. Um, we see that uh, our ragtag dad, Giles, is harmed and taken away. I get nervous. Xander, understandably, doesn't want to cancel his boy. But sometimes you got to cancel your boy, Jesse. Well, so yeah. You know, I, f- I feel like when they're undead, you got to cancel him. You gotta cancel him. Gotta. Um, I understand cancel culture is very difficult, but he has to cancel him. Um, yeah, and then we have Buffy fighting. We have Willow saving Giles. And then I have, let's talk about the light trick because I loved it. You loved it? I thought it was very smart. I thought it did a really good job of showing how Buffy fights not just with Braun but also with brains. I thought it was great. I loved it because I absolutely also was like, oh, the light! And then, because he's stupid, he believed it, and then she was like, you're stupid. I got you. And I the loved dork. it. I said, I wrote in all caps, Buffy is so smart, the light trick was so good. Lots of exclamation points. And then my next line is, Angel is skulking around, ellipsis, make out. Do they make out? They don't make no, out. No, it, it was my manifesting it into the universe. Oh, like, I want it. This was your fan yeah. fiction? Your very yeah. short fan fiction. Yeah. So my last notes were, damn, two episodes in and they averted the apocalypse. Cordelia dresses like a school mom during the day and a saucy minx at night. I do not get it. Buffy's boots and short skirt combo I love. I'm in. I'm so glad that you're in. I'm in. I'm in. I loved it. I feel I'm ready to go on this journey because enough time has passed where I can both appreciate it for what it is, but also enjoy what I thought it would be as if I watched it as a kid and also watching it now. So I, I think it'll be fun. I'm very excited. Shall we rate it? Yes, let's rate it. What what do you think? Well, let's talk about our rating system for the fans. So we have not on a scale of one to 10, but on a lo- on a scale of low to high stakes. Okay, how do you how do you rate it? Low stakes, medium stakes, high stakes? 
you know, medium stakes. I think that they did a great job introducing characters. I think that the two arc of the Ascension and that storyline was very good. And I think that the frameworking around Hell's Mouth and um, all of the like mythology that will probably ensue is interesting. And it had some singers. And I also just, you know, love watching teens speak lines that adults wrote for them. It's very disconcerting to watch now as an adult. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I definitely, you know, it's, it's, I think it'll be good. I, I will give it a solid medium. What would have made it high stakes for you? Uh, I think some of it kind of dragged. Um, apologies to the Buffy heads out there. Uh, some of it kind of dragged a little bit. And I think that I'm... I would like to know a little bit more about like the mythology already rather than just like this one storyline. Mm-hmm. Like, but, but that's just personal preference. But yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a very good medium stake. I'm going to give this one a high stakes because I feel like the characters are set up very well. The world of the show is established and like they're, they're a believable unit now because they had a lot of, work to do, I think, in the first episode or two of establishing what a Slayer is, how vampires work, um, and also, like, Buffy's a new kid in school, what's her school like, how does she make friends, and I think they showed it all in a way that made a lot of sense. Yeah. And also, they they had a lot of Buffy being smart in these first two episodes, like, figuring out where the vampires came from in the sewer and using the light trick. So I think I'm going to give it a high stake. Okay. I will say now that I'm an adult and I am very Team Cordelia, I would have liked to see more of her. Yeah. Because we had the Master as the orc villain and we have Cordelia as the human villain. And yes. I would like to see, I would like an a Master Cordelia team up. I think I would really enjoy that because they both yeah. dress well. And while he can eviscerate with his body, she can eviscerate with her words. That's true. And his voice is kind of look, his voice does not match his appearance. His voice seems very silly to me. And that's always <laughs> distracted me. Like ever since I was a kid <laughs> and Cordelia's voice is sharp and to the point. And like, if the master asked Buffy what her childhood trauma was, I would just, I would love it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I enjoyed it. I look forward to going on this journey so I can finally understand why seven to 12 of my female friends really love this show. Okay, cool. We did it. Is this our pod? This is our pod. I also uh, can't wait to meet future characters. And I also can't wait to see Angel and Buffy kiss. Gross. I just, I am so perplexed by your taste in TV gents. I am too. You're not the only one. I mean, like, Buffy and Angel has a huge following, so I think I'm in the minority here. Yeah, I think you're in the minority in a lot of things, aka Jess Mariano. We will address it later, fans. Who, which fans? Our fans. Our fans? Well, ad- the fans will address, will have to hear us addressing your issues with Jess Mariano from Gilmore Girls later. Oh, I didn't know his last name. I thought you were talking about a pasta sauce. I hate Jess. <laughs> well, I love pasta and I love Jess. 
Thanks, y'all, for tuning in. We appreciate you. Thanks. We'll send you part of our stamps.com check. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our first episode of Big Mistake. A big thanks to Laura Davila for creating our adorable artwork. You can find her on Instagram at Lady Subrosa. If you have any messages for us, or if the apocalypse comes, beep us at Big Mistake Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or at Big Mistake at gmail.com. That's B I G M I S S S T A K E. Catch you at the bronze.